Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Marty Green on how the Fed has been contributing to the recent sell-off and its plans moving forward, further inversions of the yield curve, and why Treasuries rallied yesterday. I'd like to thank Verity Global Solutions for a sponsorship of today's podcast. Verity is a labor and automation solution provider. Mortgage lenders outsource workflows to Verity's offshore team or utilize Verity's robotic process automation technology, also known as RPA, to achieve fastest time to close and lowest cost of production. Verity's solutions span the entire spectrum of the mortgage lifecycle, all the way from origination through servicing and title. Verity also provides mortgage accounting, encompass support, and automated QC services. Contact Verity to learn about a recent case study on how a major lender saved $2 million with Verity's Artificial Intelligence RPA Solutions. Want an old home? How about Betty White's Digs in Carmel, California, which just went up for sale? Want a new home? Forget about it. Even if rates were 1.5% and investors and regulators were interested in stated loans, there's little inventory to buy. But mortgage rates aren't 1.5% and are heading the other way. Additionally, tomorrow, our attention will be on the employment data. We've seen that the demand for labor, as measured by job openings, has fully recovered. But employers report finding it increasingly difficult to find workers they need. More than 4 million workers still remain officially classified as unemployed compared to before the pandemic started last year. The disconnect between employment and the supply of labor comes down to several factors. For example, health concerns, child care issues, and enhanced unemployment benefits that have slowed the return to work and made it hard for employers to hire. There are long-term issues such as the mismatch between skills and industries that should continue to weigh on the labor supply. At some point, the pickup in activity will cause many workers to return to the labor force. Until then, Increased demand for labor is likely to add to wage pressures. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Marty Green, a principal with Texas mortgage law firm Polunsky, Badel, and Green. He's one of the mortgage industry's top legal authorities regarding the Fed's latest meeting and on other mortgage and residential real estate industry trends. Hey, Marty. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. We've seen a massive sell-off in the bond market since the Fed's last meeting about two weeks ago, in part due to some hawkish statements from members since that meeting. At what point or after what conditions are reached will we see some of these selling pressures abate? I think there are a number of things that could cause the pressures on the bond market to ease. Uh, First, I think you could find market participants that could decide they've gotten a little bit too far ahead of the Fed in terms of the pace and amount of of the anticipated rate hikes. Uh, The average interest rate for mortgages has gone up between 4 and 5% now from under 3% nearly a year ago. So it's moved fairly aggressively in response to what the Fed has said. Secondly, I think geopolitical or other events or risk factors could create a flight to safety at some point, such as what we saw with Ukraine, where it did mitigate some of the increases for some at least brief periods. And that could make mortgage uh, bonds more attractive. So we could see that. And then third, I guess we could see some inflation readings moderating significantly and the risk or recession warnings flashing to a point where the market anticipates 
that the Fed needing to moderate its stance on the pace or amount of interest rate increases. Uh, my view is that the volatility of the interest rate environment will probably continue to be fairly acute because market participants are definitely reacting to what they're hearing from the Fed and the Fed governors, maybe overreacting in some instances uh, to certain of those statements uh, or to various data points that become available to them or to some external events that may make impact the market for mortgage-backed securities. But I don't anticipate that those will uh, dissipate in the immediate term, uh, but I do think you'll see some volatility. And it seems like the reason the Fed didn't hike it hike the Fed funds rate 50 basis points at the March meeting was the geopolitical uncertainty in Ukraine. But since then, the Fed's acknowledged that it's behind the curve when it comes to fighting inflation. In your opinion, why has it moved so slowly and taken the time to telegraph its moves? I think there's a lot of things that have impacted that. I First, I think that the Fed truly believed that the inflationary pressures in the economy were transitory and were largely driven by supply chain disruption and that the supply chain issues would start to improve at a more rapid pace. That that has not come to fruition. I think the data has made clearer and clearer to the Fed that this assessment was wrong uh, in, in that the inflationary pressures appear to be much more widespread and that although the supply chain challenges may improve later this year, there appears little chance that they will resolve themselves in 2022. And uh, even though the geopolitical events kind of made perhaps it unwise for the court uh, for the uh, Fed to move more aggressively with a half point increase in March, I think those geopolitical events may actually make the supply chain issues that the Fed's kind of worried about worse, particularly in the short term, as you see energy prices driving things up as well. So I think although the Fed does appear to be somewhat behind the curve on on fighting inflation, um, I think they are they they certainly changed their tone after that meeting in March, uh, telegraphing to the, the markets that they were anticipating moving more aggressively against inflation. So I would anticipate that they would continue to do that. You asked one of the reasons why would they why would they take the time to telegraph their move. I think it it gives the Fed some ability to prepare the market for what's going to occur and thereby avoid potential market disruption by a shock to the system. But I think more importantly, the telegraphing of the Fed's plans actually causes the market to price in those anticipated moves. So as a result, the Fed actually immediately gets some of the cooling effects of, of the anticipated rate increases on the economy before they actually get announced. So the anticipated half point increase in the Fed funds rate that appears more and more likely at the May meeting is actually already being reflected in many current rates, including the rates for mortgages. So it's already having that desired cooling effect that the the Fed wants so they can get some of the effects of it without actually having to immediately raise those rates. When we talk about pricing and moves, we've actually seen a recent inversion of the yield curve, even amongst some durations that last inverted prior to the Great Recession. And that's because people think that the Fed will tighten monetary policy to the extent that it will cause recession. Do you see recession as almost a necessary evil to fight current inflation levels? I don't see it as a necessary evil, but I guess I do see a possible recession as a necessary risk of the Fed's attempt to get inflation under control. The pace and amount of rate increases will definitely be accelerated uh, to cool the economy. And the tricky thing for the Fed will be to adjust that speed before the slowdown tips to a recession. 
Chairman Powell seems to think that that has a, a fair amount of room to navigate this because of the strength of the employment market. He kind of pointed out in his press conference that there's 1.7 available jobs for each job seeker. So he thinks that actually the cooling effect of the economy may actually reduce some of those available jobs to better align the number of available jobs with the number of available workers. So I can also see the inflationary pressures on American families creating some urgency for some workers who may have been on the sidelines and intended to remain there to decide instead to re-enter the job market on some basis. So you could have more available workers that would allow the economy to add to the workforce without some of the inflationary wage increases that are currently necessary to attract workers. So Chairman Powell has also pointed out to the relative health of corporate and individual balance sheets as enabling the economy to better absorb the anticipated rate hikes without necessarily tipping the economy into a recession. But some of the data, such as the inverted yield curve, calls into question whether he'll be correct in this assessment. We'll certainly find out in the coming months. But uh, I, I think inevitably we will at some point tip into a recession. The question is, will it be in the near term or a little bit further out? Because that's what the cycle tells us, that eventually you will do that. The question is, is will it be in the next uh, several months in 2022 into 23, or will it be somewhere a little bit further beyond that? As you previously alluded, there is geopolitical uncertainty out there that could cause a flight to safety, and and there are some other factors. I mean, calls are now for 50 basis point hikes at the subsequent Fed meeting or Fed meetings going into the summer. What could change that, in your opinion? Frankly, I'd be surprised if anything changes the anticipated 50 basis point increase by the Fed for May, since the Fed has telegraph that move pretty clearly to the markets. And so I think it would like to keep with that in terms of its plan. But I do think that you could see a geopolitical or some sort of financial meltdown or other shock to the economy that would cause the Fed to rethink the move. But in my view, it's, it appears pretty likely as, as, as the most likely outcome of the, the May meeting. At some point, though, I think in the future, we could get a reading on inflation that were more benign. But that just, again, doesn't appear to be in the cards in the short term. Uh, Chairman Powell indicated he believes the inflation will be peaking in the second quarter of this year. But we at, frankly won't even know if he's right with respect to that until later in the year, because you tend to see whether or not it peaked after it's already peaked, not not uh, at the same time or before. So the smart money at this point is on the Fed steadily and perhaps aggressively increasing rates through the year into next year. And I think a May uh, increase of 50 basis points is, is pretty, pretty darn uh, predictable at this point based upon everything we know. And I wouldn't anticipate that changing absent it, there being a significant change in the geopolitical other than just what we've seen so far. And I would add to what you said, maybe the Fed has lost a little bit of its credibility when it comes to predicting inflation, going from calling it transitory to, to now seeing inflation at four decade high levels. I want to close with this. When it comes to the Fed's balance sheet, what do you expect? Are they, are they going to get back to just treasuries? What, what do you see? Well, they've, they've already stopped buying. So, and, and I think that the ceasing of buying, which stopped at, at the last purchases were earlier this month, I think that the not being in the marketplace for those is already one of the things that's added to the interest rate pressure that we've already seen. Chairman Powell has clearly indicated that the Fed is prepared to start winding down some of the assets on its balance sheet. It, it, initially, if you listen to what he had said after the January meeting, um, it looked to be that they were still in the, the formulation stage of what that plan would look like. If you listen to him after the March meeting, they have made tremendous progress so that they could perhaps 
uh, even start implementing something by the 1st of May or the next time they met. So, but I think the sheer size of the balance sheet makes that difficult for the Fed to do very quickly. Uh, the fact that the Fed is no longer purchasing assets is already contributing to, as I said, some of the interest rate adjustments that we've already seen. I think ultimately the Fed views the unwinding of the balance sheet, and Chairman Powell kind of pointed this out. He thinks it's going to require some time and patience. He's going to prepare to move more quickly than they did last time, but he needs to do so in a very orderly manner so as not to disrupt other markets. And he kind of views the balance sheet winding down as something that happens in tandem with the rate increases but more behind the scenes and the way he kind of equated it in his uh, talking points in his press conference after the March meeting was that it would be something that could equate to an additional quarter point increase depending upon the uh, pace that the Fed was able to accomplish that. So I think that uh, I would see them start doing that and there's just not a buyer big enough to absorb that with, with great pace. So I think a certain portion of this they're going to allow to simply roll off their balance sheet by maturities or repayments, and then they will sell it as in an orderly fashion going forward. They may quicken the pace of some of that, but I don't see them doing so in anything other than an orderly fashion. Marty, I very much enjoyed this. And uh, I, if it's okay with you, I'd love to have you on after the next Fed meeting to talk about uh, some of their moves at the end of May. We'd love to do that. Okay. Appreciate it. Earlier this week, the Treasury yield curve flashed a warning signal as the two-year to 10-year spread inverted intraday for the first time since 2019. For perspective, recessions have followed the 2s, 10s yield curve inversion eight of the last nine times it has happened since 1959. This doesn't guarantee there will be a recession in the next 24 months given the current strength of the economy, but the correlation is undeniable. Hopes for de-escalation in Ukraine were dashed yesterday, leading to another rally in the bond market. There wasn't much other headline news, though we did receive some noteworthy economic releases ahead of tomorrow's payrolls report. The economy added 455,000 jobs in March, according to the ADP employment report. Growth was broad-based across sectors. Expectations are now for 155,000 jobs on the employment situation report in March, as tight labor supply remains an obstacle for continued growth in consumer-facing industries. The final estimate for Q4 GDP showed a downward revision owed to lower personal consumption expenditures and exports while private inventory investment was revised higher. Today's calendar is already underway with job cuts from Challenger for March, in at 21,387 or up 40% from February, but viewed as a relatively healthy churn in the job market. We've also received weekly jobless claims in at 202,000 versus expectations of 196,000 and personal income and spending for February, up 0.5% and 0.2% respectively. The core PCE price index, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, rose 0.6% as expected, or annualized up 6.4%. Later this morning, bring Chicago PMI for March, Freddie Mac reporting its primary mortgage market survey, and remarks from New York Fed President Williams. The desk will purchase up to $1.97 billion in conventional MBS. For those wondering why the Fed is still purchasing MBS, despite announcing it was done, and its balance sheet being nearly $3 trillion, the recent Fed purchases of mortgage-backed securities are a reinvestment by the Fed of principal repayments and are not part of the quantitative easing, which has wound down. 
There should continue to be reinvestment purchases of mortgage-backed securities as the Fed manages its balance sheet and makes sure that the market transitions smoothly to the Fed being much less of a market participant. We begin today with agency MBS prices, better by an eighth to a quarter, and the 10-year yielding 2.31 after closing yesterday at 2.36%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. This one's actually a little risque. My Willie was in the Guinness Book of World Records. True story. Then the librarian asked me to take it out. (laughs) Thanks again to Verity Global Solutions, an expert labor and automation solution for its sponsorship of today's podcast. Mortgage lenders outsource workflows to Verity's offshore team or utilize Verity's robotic process automation technology to relieve margin compression. Contact Verity to learn about a recent case study on how it helps lenders significantly reduce margin compression. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcasts from.